We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Oh, wow. You're actually wearing your hair down tonight. Yeah, because I finally decided that I love my hair. I figured out the solution for my morning frizz, midday poof, and even next day bedhead. It's Frizz E Secret Weapon Touch-Up Cream by John Frieda. Well, you and your hair look flawless. Flawless and touchable. Feel. See? It's soft. Smooth ends, no flyaways, shiny. Well, I clearly need to get some because your hair looks amazing. Frizz E Secret Weapon, only from John Frieda. Welcome to the Rotowire College Football Podcast. Uh, I'm James Anderson. With me is Mario Puig. Uh, we're getting close to the start of the, the regular season, which is going to be great. Um, I think our, our next show next Wednesday will be a day before uh, that, that Minnesota TCU game. So we'll be able to preview stuff like that and kind of give you a, a full rundown of that, that week one slate. But i uh, got some news to, to go over here. Uh, you know, a week, weaker, a little bit over a week away from the start of the season, Mario. Yeah, so uh, we've all been wondering about what will happen with Florida State's next great uh, dubious star. <laughs> and Dalvin Cook found not guilty. The, the, whole, the whole trial was pretty bizarre. Like, if you follow the, the people, the beat writers who were live-tweeting the trial, it sounds like everybody involved was pretty shady and, like, there was some kind of bigger third variable in there aside from you know two peop two groups of people getting in a conflict it seems like there's something that none of them could discuss that would more explain the underlying nature of why they were all at this place apparently drinking 
lots of soda and getting in fights. Um, but yeah, so whatever. He's he's re- immediately reinstated. They're probably going to do some kind of fake have to earn your way back kind of thing. <laughs> like, yeah, make him real humble by making him play against the second stream defense for a few days. But he'll be their lead back for sure. Otherwise, they would have just kicked him off the team when they heard the charge come about. But no video. You know, that's yeah, that's, that's a key. Ka-ching. If there's yeah. no video, you always bet on the Florida State football player to beat the rap, whatever or, it is. Or the big school in general. Sure. Like Joe, Mixon, Joe Mixon, like if that video of him uh, beating that girl in the face really bad last year, if that had been made public, he'd have been gone. Like DeAndre Johnson, like... He, he got cut right away because of that video. Uh, but if the video stays in, it's uh, looking pretty good. And Dalvin Cook made it in. So whatever, a victory for not necessarily humanity, but for the Florida State program. I mean, how how good is Dalvin Cook? Like, is he a top 10 back, do you, do you think? Or? In terms of efficiency, he's like way up there. But the problem with any Florida State uh, running back from a fantasy standpoint is they're not going to get a huge workload. It's just it won't happen. The only time he really got a big one last year was when Carlos Williams had that concussion and they were playing Georgia Tech in that crucial divisional game late in the year. Uh, Cook got fed in that one, but more generally, Jimbo Fisher tends to keep his top guy no higher than like 14 carries per game, you know, like Devontae Freeman, James Wilder a couple of years ago. Uh, but yeah, so it's, it's, I'm not thinking he's going to get more than like 15 carries a game on the year and especially uh, just to start out. Because I can't remember who they play. Uh, I want to say they play Texas State in Week One. Yeah, they have they have a couple cupcakes, I think. Yeah, so he he might only get out of those two first games with like ten carries or something. You know, maybe even like combined. I should say they have they have more than a couple cupcakes. Let's they probably only play like two or three uh, semi difficult games all season. Um, but, but but yeah, so I'll I'll probably be ranking him like top twenty five ish, top thirty ish. Although in the first couple games, you might want to stay off a little bit because they quite frankly don't need him. So uh, ECU uh, quarterback Kurt Kurt Benkert uh, was out is been uh, ruled out for the season ACL with a with an ACL injury. Uh, the the Pirates of of East Carolina were were quite uh, useful in in terms of fantasy. Uh, last season and even even the year before that is there anyone waiting in the wings that could be uh, something of a weapon uh, in dfs this year there might be one but we don't have any idea who it is uh so yeah looking for the next shane carden or even the next dominique davis is not a very obvious feasible task now they apparently were pretty high on bankert so he looked like a pretty good candidate to be the next big thing for them but with him out it's uh it's a couple guys who are competing with him who are not big names at all. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to have to go look this up right now. But in the meantime, they also have the former uh, Minnesota, former Rutgers transfer, Philip Nelson, who I have no idea whether he's any kind of fit for that East Carolina offense. He was he was like a, a Jerry Kill option type guy at brought, Minnesota. Brought shame to the Gophers. Brought shame off, to the Gophers. The, the state of Minnesota in general is embarrassed <laughs> to have him. Glad that he went east. But Good he's, Yeah, get out, Phil. But okay, so the other two are um Cody Keith and Blake Kemp, I think. I can't I don't know. Anyway, I, one of those guys is gonna start if and if they fully win the role i mean if they rotate or something then it's obviously don't bother with that but any guy who throws like 40 passes a game is generally worth a look especially with the right matchup so it's a pretty it seems like a pretty well coached scheme i mean ruffin mcneil has a a well-oiled machine going there at east carolina i imagine whoever's in there is pretty good but they might have to lean more on the running game this year with chris harrison and marquez grayson all right so moving 
to the uh, the Big Ten, Camion Patricky. Uh, no, that's a typo, James. His name is Camion Patrick. I'm sorry. <laughs> Camion Patrick. And uh, anyway, he's he's one of the higher... You didn't think that was at all suspicious, Patricky. Okay. Um, Dude, there's there's a lot of weird names out there. Uh, yeah, you're right. Um, but so he he's a junior college transfer this year who was probably one of the higher ranked junior college recruits. Uh, obviously, if he's going that route, there's a pretty good chance that grades are a problem. And he has yet to be cleared officially for Indiana, but he is practicing with the team. He just isn't. He might not even be eligible this year. We don't know. But supposedly that's going to be settled tomorrow, Thursday, August 27th of this year. And we might know. We might know. But it's been I know there's been a couple times now where their, their coach, Kevin Wilson, has said we should know about Kamian Patrick in a, any second now. And I feel like that was like two weeks ago. So whatever. Hopefully he's eligible because he he would probably be their best receiver, I would have to guess. Like they do have Marquis Hawkins coming in from UAB. He was a pretty decent recruit. They just had some Luke Timian, who is a walk-on slot receiver from Oklahoma State. He transferred there and no one noticed, and he's eligible to play. Uh, I think Kevin Wilson said that he will have, quote, a pretty good, pretty good role with us, whatever that means. Uh, that might just mean 20 catches or something, but... Anyway, if Kamian Patrick is declared eligible, he'll be a pretty big uh, DFS or season-long consideration for me because that offense should have volume. And Nate Nate Sudfeld has done a pretty decent job when on the field. He didn't start out well last year, but you can probably chalk that up to them having such bad, inexperienced receivers and uh, too many five foot six receivers. But they're going to play Southern Illinois in Week One at home. So if Kamian Patrick is active, I'm going. I'm probably going after that in DFS. But we won't know until tomorrow at most. It, I wouldn't be surprised if we just kind of like never get confirmation up until the first day or some garbage. Do you think he'll be more useful than Jordan Howard if, if deemed eligible? It's hard to tell. I mean, he's a receiver, so it's a little bit different. But Jordan Howard... Well, I mean, like last year, like Tevin Coleman just got like everything. Tevin Coleman got everything last year because they were down to like their fourth quarterback after their... They like moved a linebacker or something to quarterback to after Sudfeld and what's his name got hurt and then they went to Xander Diamond who just is not a college Division one quarterback so yeah they had to go with Tevin like t- every single play this year they I mean they have Sudfeld back so that's different like Kevin Wilson is normally a pretty pass heavy coach so they're gonna go back to that and Patrick could like he could be a big deal in that offense I mean Cody Latimer put up big numbers that that was with Kofi Hughes there and. Uh, the other Shane Wynn also so it's it's a it's a scheme that can pay off and Sudfeld's pretty decent uh nor, like I, I want to say like Patrick had offers from like a program programs like Louisville and a couple other decent ones so there's just there's just not that much proven talent there they got a bunch of sophomores who didn't do anything last year and Patrick's this pretty well polished product um, I'm looking at this article from the Indiana Daily Student which I don't know if you guys can just print out new t-shirts and change the name of your paper but it's not very it's not very creative indiana daily student and they quoted they quoted kevin wilson as referring to patrick as either their second or third best receiver uh due to consistency issues which i take for coach speak for uh he's easily the best and i'm hoping that these these kind of poorly veiled uh fake criticisms of him get him to play a little harder or whatever but he's he's their most talented guy it seems like so i'll be watching the status tomorrow for sure so there's like 
eight or nine guys in competition for this Alabama quarterback job. Who's the the favorite right now? I think it's only six actually. Only six guys. Um, or wait, let me. See. Okay, so Alec Morris is this guy. Uh, I can't. I feel really bad. I can't remember his name for sure. I want to say it's Matt Zenitz. Uh, let me see. I can find those guys. Yeah, Matt Zenitz. Um, I believe was the first one who was who was going this route. I could be wrong though. It's not like I follow all of Alabama fan internet or something. But uh, AL.com guy was saying, kind of looks like Alec Morris, uh, who literally no one was counting in this competition back in the spring. Back then it was it's either Coker, or it's 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 David Cornwell, redshirt freshman. He looks pretty good. And um, I don't know if Cornwell's on the outs there or something, but like he's not in the competition anymore. It's just he's not a consideration. It's between Alec Morris. Jacob Coker, who's not going to win, and Cooper Bateman, who I, I don't know who that is either. I don't know who Alec Morris or Cooper Bateman are. I'm sorry, but I don't know who they are. I've, I've looked up some things. They seem to be pretty good. They've, they've, they've been doing well in the practice reports, whatever. So it, it seems like Morris has a bit of an edge, and generally Alabama quarterbacks are pretty efficient. Um, they don't necessarily get a lot of volume uh, with Nick Saban around, but they're usually efficient. They might pass. They they definitely threw more last year with Lane Kiffin around, so that actually makes Morris more intriguing than say the AJ McCarrens of the world uh, a few years ago. But uh, yeah, it's a very uncertain situation. Certainly, no need to draft any of those guys. I don't think unless you're like in an SEC only league. But uh, if one of them gets the clear starting role, it'll be something to watch for DFS purposes. Um, and sim- uh, it's not in their notes here, but uh, the AL.com crew. Uh, was also singling out our Darius Stewart as their likely number one receiver, which would then make Robert Foster the likely number two, I think, with uh, their really high recruit, Calvin Ridley. Looks like he might be splitting the number three spot with like Richard Mullaney, the Oregon State transfer, and Chris Black, who this smallish receiver who they've had around forever and hasn't really done anything. But, uh, yeah, so if you're looking for the next receiver at Alabama, looks like it's our Darius Stewart, although who knows what Foster might do once the season starts. I've heard some theories that Kiffin likes to, you know, just go heavy at one guy, whether it be uh, Amari Cooper or Marquise Lee, and try to kind of get them really on the national scene because that sort of looks good for him. Is Are any of these guys that caliber? Or could maybe Derrick Henry be featured in a way that would get him to really just blow up? I mean, who, who do you see being the most useful for DFS purposes? Uh, well, yeah, Derrick Henry is the top guy for sure. He's he's like a verifiable beast, and they're going to have to lean on him a lot. They're going to have to lean on Kenyon Drake a lot. Kenyon Drake's also very good. He's going to see some snaps at receiver. But, uh, yeah, especially with their quarterbacks unknown and, you know... W- sometimes when you see a competition go this long, it's because all the guys are good and it's hard to pick one for that reason. But the I mean, op- they should have good guys, right? Oh yeah, they should. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I mean, Cornwell was a really high recruit. Blake Barnett was a really high recruit. Um, Morris was not, I don't, I, st- I actually know nothing about Cooper Bateman. It's, <laughs> I mean, I'm terrible, but uh, yeah. So Derek Henry is going to get fed. He's a, he's, he's a beast. Uh, Drake behind him. It could be that, you know, Lane's going to single out, or Darius Stewart, Robert Foster, whatever, and try to get another Bolitnikoff candidate by just force-feeding them targets. But that that wasn't really what he did at Tennessee. Um, like they, That was back when they had Derek Rogers and Justin Hunter, Tyler Bray, all-star show. Um, so th- they were spreading around a bit back then. I mean, he as much as, as much as they really did seem to make a specific effort to funnel the ball to Amari Cooper last year, that also seems like the, probably the reasonable thing to do. Um, I, I love to bash right. Lane for sure. a variety of fun reasons, but uh, that that was actually pretty pragmatic of him, I think. 
you know, this that's actually a, a nice little transition here. Uh, I figured we could maybe just touch on the Steve Sarkeesian thing. At, we have a gossip at, section at USC. here. Yeah, I mean, this is this is kind of just a. I don't. I don't mean to like make light of. You know, I'm sure there are definitely people out there, and maybe he's one of them that that struggle with, uh, you know, chemical dependency or, or alcoholism or, or what have you. But to me, this just sort of seems like something that happens at maybe 60, 65, 70 percent of college campuses with maybe not the head football coach, but the head basketball coach when they get around, you know, the the boosters and stuff like that and the drinks are flowing. Um, I mean, I've definitely heard stories from when uh, Brett Bielema was at at (laughs) UW and, uh, you know, stories of lots uh, of stories, lots of stories about lots of coaches. You know, I mean, they're they're Tons of them out there. Uh, this one didn't really seem that This was unusual. mild salsa at <laughs> right, most. Right, right. Yeah, so I, I find it kind of interesting that this is just dominating um, the coverage of, of college football right now. What were your initial uh, thoughts on, on Steve Sarkeesian's uh, little, little misstep there? Well, as a, like, loathsome degenerate i don't i don't really (laughs) speak on behalf of many different demographics but and certainly not like the targeted groups uh that you know uh usc is trying to portray legitimacy to because i don't care i i I mean i i i have a pretty um like low scummy view of the ncaa as a as a whole operation so i'm kind of assuming everyone involved is dirty i don't care who's dirtiest usually I mean, there's certain exceptions, like you know, recent Florida State incidents are kind of, kind of a, a little bit egregious. But I yeah, basically, I, mean, I basically don't care unless like they're like people are being physically violent to true. other people. Like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, he he got hammered apparently and yelled into a microphone. Right. Like, I, and he I, was just he was just talking junk like about you know other schools like who he was amped. getting everybody amped <laughs> yeah, like, yeah no, he's pumping like, up the crowd everybody at the crowd was probably <laughs> drunk too and didn't care yeah, like they yeah. they probably spent more money on I, don't, I, I, just, I honestly don't have even the slightest grasp of the booster concept right. like how is that right. how is that like there's also the thing where he said that there's never been alcohol in the the players locker room but there has been alcohol in the coaches. Uh, section of the locker room, and that will no longer be the case. That's the only thing year. I disapprove of in this yeah, case yeah. here. Uh, I, I feel like you got although keep I the do, alcohol there. yeah, but I do find it <laughs> hilarious that they needed to make that specifically clear. Yeah. Like I've always assumed I can't bring booze where I work, no matter where, and I've worked in some kind of crappy places. Um, but yeah, so that that's kind of funny to me that they had to say like, and no more drinking at work, guys. <laughs> and then, he, but then he, but then he did, you know, like a little parting shot. He was like, I don't really think we're that much different from any other place in the country. He said he doesn't really think yeah. he needs rehab. In no. which case, I'm like, hey no. man, hey dude, I mean, way to stand up for yourself there. We're a top <laughs> top half team oh, in the Pac-12. Uh, you know, decent quarterback. Um, I mean, you're things are looking up for that program. So. But uh, there was this. Uh, <laughs> what, what is his name? I'm trying to find. Oh, Danny O'Neill. Uh, Seattle type writer who uh, I'm trying to pull up his affiliation here, uh, but my computer. I'm sure Bill Pulaski has got a hot take. Okay, 710 ESPN guy Danny O'Neill had this awesome receipt from Sarkeesian uh, at Washington when he was there. Oh, nice. And uh, my, my computer won't let me look this. Okay, here we go. 2010 reimbursement request. It says, I don't know what the Husky Sports Fund account is, if it's like if it's like some booster paid thing rather than yeah. you know the school and potentially state taxpayers sure. but 
please reimburse from Husky Sports Fund account. Uh, we got a receipt here uh, from what, what? Oh God, can't open Twitter images at all. Um, I can't read the, the bar name either. But anyway, <laughs> March eleventh, two thousand twelve. We got like. 40 Patron shots and like a bunch of other we got nice. like a we got like what is this tostada grande grilled chicken in there so it wasn't all on an empty you stomach you got a base up you got to uh, get a base going taquitos <laughs> sounds good um but yeah like 40 Patron silver shots which alone was like $360 the final tab was just slightly above $600 hey. um I've I've drank before, but I've never really ended up in a situation where I need to put six hundred down. You know, um, whatever. So it might have been it might have been like eight coaches and five shots apiece. Yeah, I mean forty, and then there's like five others, uh, different variation of Patron and uh, th- three beers mixed in. Oh, so I, I approve uh, of the tequila. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so Steve's Steve probably knows what he's doing or whatever. I can hang with Steve. Yeah, he's he's okay. If Steve ever wants to come on the show, we'll we can talk. Uh, you know, USC wide receivers. We can talk about uh, Kessler and everything. Juju Smith Schuster. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Juju Smith. Um, all right, so. We did get uh, a pretty good listener question from uh, our buddy Tug on Twitter. Uh, he wants to know which defenses owners should target uh, in the first couple weeks of the season if they're they're looking to really kind of run up uh, some nice some nice point totals. And and this kind of ties into some more you know interesting just sort of discussions about which types of defenses you like to go after in DFS because obviously like we were talking about with the, the whole Florida state uh, cook thing where, I mean, they're, they're just not going to have any interest in, you know, giving right. him that many. You know, Stuff, there's definitely like a fine line right. between like getting up a, a vulnerable defense and a team that can't defend itself at all. Right. And then you get your, your guy pulled at halftime. Uh, sometimes halftime is enough to do all the damage you need, yeah. but not uh, everyone's Nick Chubb. Right, not everyone's Nick Chubb, not everybody's Melvin Gordon. You don't want to necessarily make a habit out of uh, guessing on one half games from players, but um, so yeah, the, the 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 broader answer, I guess, is I try not to think about it as defenses as much as the whole matchup, which is to say, taking a few variables like the Vegas over under is a really easy thing to start with if the point total's high. You can you can kind of assume that they have reason to believe that it'll be a high point total, and that's 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 a pretty decent starting point. But beyond that, what I always look at is uh, the tempo of the teams involved. So sometimes you got a team that's like a plotting, say Mark Richt offense, um, but <laughs> other times you other times you got you know the Chip Kelly just like maniac uh, velocity offense where they're running like eighty four plays a game as opposed to the like 65 that some of our friends in the SEC prefer. But if you have if you have teams running a lot of plays, that's just a lot more chances to get stats, at least yardage, you know, garbage stats. And if you play in DFS, you probably have a bunch of PPR, half PPR to factor mm-hmm. in. So a couple of things is like the tempo alone for the team that's, that uh, the player you have is on. You, you, got, you want a guy that's on a fast tempo as opposed to slow. But also you can, you know... Teams that are slow tempo normally have to alter their tempo if they fall behind, uh, especially to a team that's leading and has a fast tempo. So you can you can target situations where it's like, even if you don't think both teams involved are particularly up tempo, you can assume they'll both be up tempo if the team you think will the, the winning team basically has the up tempo because then the other team has no choice in the matter. They just have to match it 
uh, fetal as it might be. So those, those are a couple things I keep in mind. Otherwise, I mean, you, you kind of have to, you have to draw a little bit on past year data, but not too much because things like, you know, returning experience and people, people leaving in the off season can change things drastically. So if you can try to try to find out, I know like Phil Steele's got this up, but returning starters. So if you look at returning starters on a defense, so like you, you might look at a team like Temple last year, they had a pretty good defense, certainly by their own conferences standards, but they, they were like a bad team. And sometimes people just look at a team that's bad and think, oh, I'm going to I'm going to exploit that for fantasy purposes. But I mean, they're bringing back 11 starters. Everybody's back. They were good last year. Like I'm probably not going to pick players against them that much unless they have some kind of like, you know, juggernaut team going against them. Otherwise, I'd probably look for, you know, tamer prey. But uh, yeah, so stuff like that. But generally, you, you got to lean on the Vegas over under and, you know, take the spread and calculate what each team is projected for and consider what players you're targeting, uh, their shares of the passing, rushing, receiving stats in those offenses, their shares of the touchdown totals and try to get a reasonable projection of what, you know, the plausible outcomes are that way. Yeah, no, I think that's all. That's all good stuff. I mean, especially when you you get a you know two yeah two high powered offenses going up against each other and the the spreads close and the over unders high. I mean, that's usually a good uh, recipe for a lot of points. Uh, got a couple kind of um, you know season long look at a, at a couple of conferences. Here yeah, from less Jeff of Risden. a less of a fantasy specific thing and more of a, a general college football punditry. Uh, Two, two good Roto-Wire uh, Twitter friends, uh, Jeff Risden, our guy, with a couple questions, and then we got Arif Hassan with a, a, a Georgia Southern question. We'll start with Jeff's, though. He's, uh, I guess he's an Ohio Bobcats fan because he, he really wants them to get to the Bahamas Bowl um, and, and also see them do well in general. Um, so that, that's, a, that's a team that's, even though it's in the MAC, they always have pretty good defenses. Like They're, they're one of those teams that you don't really want to target as much as you might think in uh dfs and whatever so frank solik's got a pretty good program over there even though they don't seem to have a ton of talent uh quarterback competition between jd sprague the horrible passer good runner and darius vick the okay passer and pretty good runner uh they actually have a really interesting week one matchup on the road in idaho uh very dysfunctional program over there with paul petrino just going absolutely crazy apparently for like no reason at all uh mike mike duger the duggar i'm not sure how to pronounce his name um the idaho what is he i can't remember the paper some idaho newspaper anyway he's a really really great beat writer and he had all these like actually kind of favorable portrayals of their practices talking about like wow david ungerer their fourth receiver looks great and you know like this these things like that and apparently paul petrino just went nuts on him and was like took offense to a very specific uh criticism that mike and a couple other beat writers said which was like they were struggling with long passes and he was like we completed so many long passes today what's your problem get out of here and like apparently like mike was saying he had to he had to like be restrained by a assistant coach or something so he the the petrinos first of all nice work fellas all around um but yeah so idaho and the, idaho just had this hey guys great guys and uh <laughs> Yeah, the, the Idaho team just had like three players or something get caught s- stealing a bunch of clothes for some store. They haven't been identified, but Paul settled it by getting the getting the merchandise back to the store so no charges will be filed. But everything just seems so close to exploding <laughs> at Idaho all the time. But 
I like them for fantasy purposes because they have a, they go really up tempo and they're going against Jeff's Ohio guys in the great state of Idaho. Uh, I would assume Ohio is going to try to make that a low tempo game and just kind of grind it out with their running back AJ. I don't know how it's pronounced. I'm going to assume it's some kind of French thing like Ouellette or Ouellette or something. Um, anyway, he was beasting last year late in the season. He should have a good game against an Idaho defense that just can't do anything good. Um, after that, got Marshall not looking good. Then two weeks later on the road against Minnesota, looking especially bad. The Gophers. Hard to see. Hard to see them coming out on top there. Right. So, sorry, Jeff. I'm a little, I'm a little worried about Ohio's chances of escaping the season with any less than probably five losses but let's hope for seven and five there um but yeah jeff's other question was uh oh the top mac east team i forgot about that um i'm gonna go with bowling green jeff i think i think bowling green uh matt johnson the quarterback's back they got two good running backs they have like 12 good receivers just they're gonna score too many points um and then jeff's other question uh, can any SEC team finish with one loss or less, I assume he was wondering? Um, and if not, uh, is there an SEC team that will make the college football playoff? And this is actually pretty interesting because like everybody, the, you could always just kind of without looking say like, well, yeah, Alabama, but maybe not this year. Um, they, they have like the the highly desirable six-man quarterback competition. Um, I will say that their week one matchup with Wisconsin is not an actual event. I'm, I'm assuming people are going to make that a bigger deal than it is. Alabama is going to stomp them really bad. Um, but yeah, after that, you know, when you got you got to go play Mississippi, you're at home, but Mississippi on the road against Georgia, on the road against A&M, LSU, Mississippi State at the end of the year, and then the the Iron Bowl is on the road. So that's that's intimidating. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't I don't know what to think about that. I, I don't. I think I would pick Auburn right now in that game. So if, if, if Alabama slips against a Tennessee and LSU and A&M, I don't think they'll slip against Georgia. They're talking about starting Grayson Lambert or something. That's ridiculous. But, yeah, so other than Alabama, like, James, is there somebody that's catching your eye? Like, I'm down on Mississippi after they got clobbered by TCU, um, dismembered to be more specific. But, uh, yeah, otherwise my favorite SEC team is probably Tennessee, who I actually am unironically picking to win the SEC this year. So, yeah, your Tennessee pick's interesting to me because I don't, I don't know a ton about them. And Josh Dobbs is like an aerospace engineering student. He's, he's the smartest quarterback of all time. He's got really good receivers. Butch Jones, he's proven he's real. He's got a pretty experienced defense coming back. But basically, it's all it's all about space Dobbs. Now you know uh, Georgia fans are going to be looking at their schedule and saying, "Well, if we can just beat Bama at home, we could be undefeated going into that." No. Uh, okay. All right. So you're you're putting an end to that. Well, so I don't know how Bryce Ramsey is. I mean, Bryce Ramsey has to start. There's no way Grayson Lambert can start. He's terrible. But uh, yeah, they they they're. I mean, early season. I mean, they should have a good chance of going undefeated into that Alabama game, but. My Tennessee guys are going to stomp them the next week is the problem. Okay, so you, that's, you know, if they beat Bama at home, that Tennessee game is, is definitely a, a big-time trap game there because... But then uh, then they, they, they play Auburn on the road like a hard month later. Hard to see them going back-to-back on this Yeah, Georgia's, Georgia's... I mean, don't, get, don't, get, don't get me wrong. Chubb is the god, but... So, I mean, that's that was kind of my... And just the, the schedule. I mean, it's so hard for me to pick. Yeah, I mean, it's... 
Auburn. Those SEC teams just beat the crap out of each other every year. It's but like, now, so and then he wanted to know: uh, Do you do you see any SEC team in the playoff? And that becomes a bit more interesting because you know you obviously assume Ohio State's going to go, but then I, I feel like TCU almost has to go undefeated to go. Um, because right. I feel like there's going to be no enough. championship game in the Big Twelve. Right. They have they get Baylor at home. But uh, they do get Baylor again, and that's that, I don't know. So I mean, there's a chance that you could see, say, either like, TCU or Baylor. You could see either Florida State or Clemson um, maybe go if they can win out. Clemson um, can win that conference. I don't think FSU can. And then you could could you see USC or Oregon going? N- not I don't think USC is that great. Um, Oregon, I can see, but they need Vernon Adams to win that job, and they need him to be the guy that everyone thought he'd be. Um, but, yeah, that, I mean, Mariota is a loss that cannot be accounted for. So they need to get better in other areas. But they lost Thomas Tyner, their, their backup running back, who's more than good enough to start for, like, almost any team. He's gone, so they're kind of, like, shuffling the personnel a little bit on offense. Don't know what to make of that. Uh, the Pac-12 is actually really tough this year. Like Arizona yeah. State is a team that I would worry about in that conference. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know really the fourth team. If, but uh, based on, I mean, if if you were if you were just saying like, will there be an SEC team in the playoff? I would say yes. Uh, before I would say no, but I would have no conf- no confidence in any one team to be that team. So I agree with that. I guess I guess what I'll go with for my my five teams or four teams. Sorry. Um, I'll go with I'll go with Ohio State, Baylor, and Clemson, and I guess I gotta go with Tennessee. I don't even really like that pick, but the thing is, the way I the way I can imagine this going, Tennessee goes eleven and one. Only loss is on the road against Alabama, but then they get them or whoever else, whatever, in the SEC championship game, win that one, and uh, they go in with carried by Space Dobbs, the smartest quarterback. Okay, so I'll go, I'll go Ohio State, Baylor, Clemson, USC. Okay. Um, I, I love I love you, Sark. Sarkeesian's got, got the momentum. I got you. Yeah, he's got the early momentum. You know, I mean, how are you going to pick against the Trojans now that everything's clicking? They haven't even played a game yet. Um, but yeah, so uh, leaving leaving the big picture BCS question, um, our, our guy Arif was perhaps not even seriously asking, <laughs> but what what better way do we have to spend our time anyway? Uh, but he was asking. When when can Georgia Southern expect to be ranked? Like, is it week three this year, or is it week three next year, or is it week three in 2017? I don't know about two years from now, dude, but, like, maybe if they beat West Virginia on the road in week one, that's not enough to get them ranked, but it would make them, you know, pretty terrifying to all the other uh, Power 5 schools, and I can see it happening because West Virginia's breaking in a whole bunch of new receivers. Their running backs are okay. Like, Smallwood's pretty interesting. Shell is all right. Um, the quarterback, though, Skylar Howard, he barely completed 50% of his passes last year. It was a small sample size, and it was a pretty high-pressure setting that he stepped in for replacing Clint Trickett. Uh, but, yeah, that, that low completion percentage and the inexperience at receiver, losing Kevin White, losing Mario Alford, that scares me a little bit. And Georgia Southern, I mean, let's, let us be frank, 
they're they're better than a lot of BCS schools. Like they'd go, they'd stomp schools like Indiana or Rutgers or yeah, Purdue. Not just the Big Ten, but you know, we we could keep naming Big Ten. We can keep naming Big Ten teams, (laughs) but we don't want to just anyway. But yeah, so Georgia State brings back, according to Phil Steele, nine starters on defense, uh, three fifths of their offensive line. Uh, They do have that. What's I think their quarterback Cameron Bryant or whatever is suspended for two weeks so that's that's interesting to watch but the thing is it's not like a pass heavy offense anyway and uh the backup last year I'm bad again but uh I can't remember his name he was very productive though um as as a backup quarterback so I even since they don't rely on the passing game since it's all about Matt Breda um I think they can I think they can beat West Virginia and if they do beat West Virginia then Probably they need to go. The, the chance, Arif, that I think that they can get ranked at would not be until October 22nd, which is not week three, but rather four, five, six, seven, eight. That game, however, is very tough. It's at Appalachian State. Similar to Georgia Southern, Appalachian State is a team that uh, Power 5 teams should be very afraid of, especially Clemson in week two. Uh, it's, it's not likely that they can keep up with uh, Deion Watson, who's also the god, but... Uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, so, if they can beat Appalachian State in that game, I think they'll probably be ranked. But on the other hand, I have to probably pick. Um, oh, sorry, I said Deion Watson, just Sean Watson. Um, I probably have to pick Appalachian State in that one because Appalachian State looks pretty beastly. They're bringing back like everybody from last year, and they were really tough. All right. Well, uh, yeah, like I said, next week, I mean, there's there's a reason why people will try to make that non-event an event because there aren't a ton of big games next week. Uh, obviously, you got that, that go for TCU game, which I'm sure the world will be watching uh, next Thursday. And then you've got, uh, I don't know, I mean, Arizona State versus uh, Texas A&M is an interesting game. Um, you know, Louisville, Auburn, Wisconsin, Bama. Ohio State, Virginia Tech, but we'll break down all those games uh, that are, are noteworthy uh, next week on the show. Uh, next Wednesday, you can find me uh, on Twitter at RealJRAnderson. You can find Mario on Twitter at... It's NFL Draft underscore RW. Don't want to talk about it. <laughs> all right, cool. So, yeah, we'll uh, talk to you guys next week. Thanks, guys.